0: the Paul McGuire Report. This is Paul McGuire. On today's program, I want to talk about one of the most important truths uh, in all the world. In fact, I don't think that there is a greater truth than the one that I'm about to uh, discuss with you. And it's not because of some brilliant analysis on my part. It's simply because as we examine life that we live in, as we examine the world we live in, the reality we live in, it becomes apparent that there's an overarching principle, but it's, a, it's, it's way beyond a principle. There's an overarching fact of life, if you will. And I'm not talking about, you know, the facts of life, the, the ridiculous statement that alludes to, to the uh, factual presentation of your biological reproductive stats. that we loosely use that expression. Uh, we used to loosely use that expression among young people. Do they know the facts of life? Have you told them the facts of life? There is a more powerful concept, principle. It's very hard to find a word that is big enough to contain the power and the majesty and the glory of the truth that I'm about to share with you. And, of course, it's not my truth. It's an eternal truth that that exists and stands apart, whether men choose to believe in this truth or not. The fact of the matter is, it is the supreme truth. So let's get down to it. We are in a world right now of unprecedented chaos. And what drives this unprecedented chaos is something that many people have a tremendous amount of difficulty grasping or acknowledging or processing in their minds. And by that, I mean simply this there is a group of individuals. There are a group of interdimensional beings, if you will, or multidimensional beings. And by that I mean what the Bible describes as fallen angels, including the highest-ranking fallen angel, Lucifer, which means the shining one. And these fallen angels, directed by Lucifer, who's in an all-out rebellion because he wants to initiate a coup d'etat, a spiritual revolution, And he wants to, along with the help of the demons and the men and women who have pledged allegiance to Satan, Lucifer or Satan wants to become uh, the god of this world and install himself and sit upon the throne room of God in Jerusalem. And then Lucifer wants to force, and most people will do it voluntarily, but he wants to force and coerce people to worship him, Satan, as God. Now, the important thing to to take away from that is simply this. We have to understand something about the character or nature of uh, Lucifer or Satan. If we we don't understand the nature or character of Satan, we cannot finalize an accurate appraisal of reality. So let's just get to it and, and finalize this appraisal of reality, which is called truth. Satan. Is evil. Satan and evil, Uh, Satan and Lucifer, the same being. They are evil. They're one being, but they're evil. Everything they do is evil. They're motivated by evil. They have harnessed the energies of evil. And when you decide to rebel against God in any capacity, when you make the decision to wage war, Against the only God who truly exists, then you have decided with an act of your volitional will, you have decided to choose sides. You can't cop out and say, oh, I didn't choose sides. No. The moment you chose to follow the orders of Satan, you chose to choose sides. And you chose to choose the side of evil. And evil is a force, evil can possess people. It can drive people, but make no mistake about it. Evil is one of the most powerful forces that exists in this world. And evil is all about the total annihilation and destruction of God. Why? Why? Because, on the other hand, in distinction from evil, we have this fact the infinite personal living God of the universe is love, total spiritual love. So the Bible tells us from Genesis to Revelation that God is love. And this fact is of paramount importance. God is love. And so everything we need to know about creation, about mankind, about demons, about Satan, about fallen angels and and fallen men and fallen women, Everything we need to know is wrapped up in our understanding of this basic fact. And once again, the basic fact that we need to understand is that God is love. And when you oppose God in any way, shape, or form, you have chosen to become part of the side or armies of evil. It's really that it's just that simple. It's not complicated. It's simple. When you oppose God by your actions, by your selfishness, by your thoughts, by your breaking of the commandments and the laws of God, you see, because when you break the commandments and the laws of God, you are in effect pledging allegiance all over again to to becoming evil and joining sides with evil. And so when you do that, you have become evil. Now, as simple as that concept is, it is a major barrier of spiritual delusion and spiritual illusion and spiritual deception and spiritual apostasy, which are the high-level spiritual weapons that Lucifer or Satan uses in his all-out war against God, God's people, and his blood bloodthirsty bloodlust Uh, coup d'etat, in which he is presently attempting to take over planet Earth, literally, make no mistake about this, Satan is in the process of taking over planet Earth by any means necessary. That is what evil was all about and has always been. So, it's not complicated to take any given situation, whether it's geopolitical, political, social, economic... Uh, societal, on the family level, any area of operational existence can be evaluated by its true intrinsic nature. In other words, is it something that is coming from evil, or is it something that's coming from love? And everything that comes from evil flows from the energy of Satan. And it is always wrapped in spiritual darkness, lust for power, lust for money, greed, etc., etc. So let's look at what's happening on planet Earth right now, because it's, we are in the most critical stage of human history. I'm not exaggerating when I come to you on the Paul McGuire Report, and I have been saying to you, those of you that have been listening to me for decades, know that what I'm saying is true. Because, as I've said before, the copyrights, the copyright dates on my 40 books or whatever it is, they they all legally and factually um, determine the time, the date, and the year I, I wrote something in a book or made a particular statement. And And so, realistically, and backed up by the documented proof of numerous copyrights, Held on my books, um, I have a factual record of making countless statements warning people, warning Christians especially, because they were given the responsibility uh, for knowing the truth and communicating the truth. So I have a calendar record of legal documentation that. Provides for you, if you're skeptical or whatever, that I have been saying this, saying what I have been warning people through every media at my disposal for many decades for a minimum of forty years, and I could validly claim to have been warning people of the truth and teaching the truth, biblical truth. It is a factual statement backed up by documentation that I have been warning people for far more than 40 years. Because my spiritual pilgrimage from an atheistic, humanistic, transhumanist household, and I first read Alice Huxley's book, Brave New World, in third grade, in Jackson Heights, Queens, when I was attending PS69. The reality is that I really began my spiritual research my hunger for truth, my quest for truth, my search for truth—I don't know how old somebody is in third grade, but ha- however old I was in third grade, um, that's when I began to to research and uh, search after the truth, so I could make a, a fully justifiable claim that I've been doing what I've been doing, because I have, for well over four decades, well over four decades. You could easily add another two decades to that. And I know that sounds ridiculous because relatively speaking, I'm not that old, but that just happens to be the path that I took. So I was thinking about this the other day. Um, I was talking to somebody, and this was before I was a Christian. Remember, humanist household, intellectual family, middle-class family. My parents' friends were writers and thinkers and artists and, and uh, Economists and stuff. And I remember trying to struggle. And this also was probably this was probably fourth grade. And again, that would take my spiritual search origination point back at least five decades, at least. And I remember it was my mother or somebody, I can't remember who it was. They got me a book because I wanted to know what love was. Now, when I say I want to know what love was, I wasn't talking about romantic love or erotic love or physical love. When I was looking for what love is, I was talking about, and I didn't understand really what I was looking for. I was pursuing this ultimate spiritual kind of love. I didn't know how to brand it, I didn't know how to identify it, I didn't know what kind of verbiage to use to explain this kind of love. And it wasn't until, until many years later. That I realized that this highest level of love that I was trying to understand, with great difficulty, that this highest level of love, the only place I ever found a cogent definition of it was in the Bible, where in the Bible it reveals to us that God is love, and not only that, the Bible is, makes a uh, distinction between three kinds of love. First, you have Uh, eros or erotic or sexual or physical love, which is usually self-centered. And then you have filial love, which is the the pure love that a father or mother has for their sons and daughters. And it's a pure, caring love, a giving love. It's not a polluted, sick, pathological love, which is, uh, sadly to say, one of the crisis areas of our age. So you have Eros love or erotic love, you have filial love, which is the love of parents, pure love of parents for their children. But finally, you have the ultimate form of love, the paramount form of love, which is the love of God or the love of Jesus Christ. And that is known as agape love or Christ like love or spiritual love. And what makes the Christ like love different than the other human based forms of love? is that the Christ-like love is not seeking to please itself. The the agape love of Jesus Christ is characterized primarily by its willingness to give up its life, to come and serve others and not serve itself. And the agape or Christ-like love is, is demonstrated in its highest fulfillment, in the history of mankind, by the voluntary death of Jesus Christ, who who allows himself to be killed and crucified on a cross and die on a cross so he could take the sins of mankind upon himself. And that ultimate sacrificial love that does not seek to satisfy itself, that ultimate sacrificial love is known as the agape love of Jesus Christ. So, when we look at any area of our reality, whether it's history or science or biology or psychology or theology, and we could go on forever talking about the categories of study and science, et cetera, all of mankind's efforts to find completion, to find the answer, to find meaning, to ultimately find satisfaction, always. That answer can only be found in the sacrificial, Christ like love of Jesus Christ that the Bible defines as agape love. Now, here's where it gets interesting. When you and I analyze what's going on in the world today, we have a, a very easy to use measurement system that allows us to determine and to measure what real love is and what real love is not. And it's always made on whether or not the love that we're talking about or the love we're trying to demonstrate is either one out of three categories. It's either eros love or filial love or the agape love of Jesus Christ. Now, when when the Bible says that God is love, it's talking about this highest level of love that transcends selfish motives and greed and self-serving. When the Bible says God is love, it's talking about the highest level of love that exists in any dimension and in any part of our universe. Okay, so I'm struggling with all this. And at that time, I had never heard of these three different areas of love. And I know, you know, the more humanistic forms of love. But I'm having difficulty trying to Process and understand uh, the fact that God is love. So, somebody in my family or friend—it was my father, my mother—I don't know who it was—they gave me a book to read called *The Art of Loving* by Eric Frome. Now, I didn't know any of this all the time, and I'm—I'm I'm, I'm supposing this book I read in fourth grade or somewhere between fourth grade and sixth grade. And in the book, I was very disappointed because in the book, The Art of Loving, even though I knew basically nothing about love, it became, I, I read the book, The Art of Loving by Eric Frome and I walked away completely hollow and completely empty because it was apparent to me that Eric Frome himself had no idea what real love was, because real love can only be found in the agape love of Jesus Christ or the selfless love of God, God is love. And any other form of love is a cheap substitute or a cheap counterfeit. So, as I'm reading this book, The Art of Loving, it becomes apparent to me that I'm reading not a Christian religious tract. I'm essentially reading a secular, humanist, globalist religious tract written by one of the world's premier globalist philosophers and thinkers, one of the intellectual pioneers of the United Nations, one of the pioneers of the whole global government and uh, one of the pioneers of secular humanism and in the book he 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 makes these statements and again i'm not a christian i'm a humanist at the time i'm reading this but they don't sit well with me because even though i don't have a whole lot of knowledge on the subject at this particular time it appears to me he's taking taking cheap shots so for example in his book the art of loving instead of And what I was hoping to get was not a book on, like, the art of loving uh, in terms of erotic love or sexual love or physical love. That's not what I was looking for. I was told that the art of loving would answer my questions about spiritual and philosophical love and the highest forms of love and how to live in that highest form of love. That's what I thought I was reading. Instead, I'm reading a book that is attacking Christianity the God of the Bible, the Old Testament, the New Testament. And his book, The Art of Loving, essentially is a religious tract written by a secular humanist that is designed to decimate biblical Christianity uh, and replace it with uh, humanistic psychology. So he says stuff like this, and I'm paraphrasing, but Er but Eric Fromm says stuff like this. And by the way, Eric Fromm, and we've talked about the Fabian socialists a lot, and we've talked about the Frankfurt School Marxists a lot, and he was integrated with both movements. So Eric Frome says stuff like uh, this whole idea, and, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing him as best I can. He says, you know, for thousands of years, going back into the ancient times, when modern man, not modern, excuse me, when tribal men and women you know, would build their fires in the night sky, he he said, and and they would be frightened because they recognized they were all alone. As they looked up at the stars, uh, ancient man and his tribes were terrified and frightened because they realized they were all alone in the universe. And so because ancient tribes and ancient man were frightened of being all alone in the universe, that. Ancient man, or man himself, invented or fabricated the concept of God because they needed to have an answer uh, regarding a God in order to comfort themselves, in order to make themselves feel protected, safe, and secure. So, in order to to get away, uh, to, to drive away the fear that they had looking up at the night sky, in order to drive away the fear, they invented their own man-made concepts of gods and goddesses. And then later on, he, he proposed this idea that initially ancient man and ancient tribes and ancient civilizations invented many gods and goddesses to protect them. And as time went on, they evolved in their concept of God. And as time went on, they created what From called monotheistic concepts of God, which is simply uh, the humanist idea that when mankind became more sophisticated, <clears throat> they no longer worshipped gods and goddesses. They worshipped a singular god, or one god, or monotheism. And monotheistic religions would be religions like uh, Christianity, Judaism, uh, <clears throat> Islam. And all the religions that that teach that there's just one God would constitute a monotheistic religion, the belief in one God. But he argued vehemently, as did the other humanists, that this concept of the belief in one God or monotheism was still nothing more than an adult fairy tale invented by ancient tribalistic men and women who were terrified of their aloneness in the night sky. And so they needed something to comfort them. So they invented this entire idea of these monotheistic gods, like the God of ancient Israel, the God of the Old Testament, Jesus Christ, the God in the New Testament, and uh, the prophet Mohammed. I don't want to get into a theological debate, but usually that's classified under the category of a monotheistic God. And then on the other side of the fence, you had all the pagan tribes and pagan religions which worshipped many gods, like the Canaanites, like ancient Rome, like ancient Egypt, like, like Hinduism, which worshipped, <clears throat> I think, Hinduism. I have a whole <clears throat> easy-to-understand explanation of this, <clears throat> excuse me, in my book, Power from on High. And I talk about ancient Hinduism and ancient Buddhism. And I talk about the fact that in ancient Hinduism, I have a chapter in my book, Power from on High, entitled The Nine Billion Names of God. And I make documented reference to the fact that in ancient Hinduism, uh, they worshipped billions and billions of gods. So, uh, as did many other Eastern mystical religions like Hinduism, Buddhism. Uh, a whole panorama of of uh, occultic-based religions. So <clears throat> um, the point was the humanists like Huxley, Alice Huxley, Julian Huxley, Eric Fromm, et cetera, they were the vanguard of militant secular humanists who, who privately believed and publicly stated that, um, There was, there is no such thing as a biblical God or a pagan God, monotheistic or otherwise. And the only God that there is, is man. Now that is a fundamental philosophical revolution and a fundamental theological revolution. And it's an ear-splitting, earth-shattering, and spirit of Antichrist thunderous pronouncement about man's intention to use knowledge or gnosis, G-N-O-S-I-S, to use man's scientific and technological knowledge and science to to make or create man, to make or create uh, mankind via technology and science into gods. And so What secular humanism and transhumanism is in our time, in the global reset and the great reset, is this. They believe that they're gods. They believe that mankind is, men and women are gods. But in order for men and women to achieve godhood, they number one have to learn how to be gods through enlightenment and self education, but they also need to. Augment or enhance, <clears throat> excuse me, enhance uh, men and women's abilities through science fiction-like technologies and science fiction-like sciences, such as genetic engineering and many other things, and through uh, genetic modification and and DNA modification and other sciences and technologies. It is the goal and intention of transhumanists to artificially become God, so where we are in the history of the world, we need to reflect on something, and this is what we need to reflect upon reflect on. Once upon a time, on planet Earth, planet Earth was a paradise. The Garden of Eden was the center. Of this incredible paradise that God created for Adam and Eve, the first man and the first woman. And they were given the spiritual authority to rule and reign over planet Earth and rule and reign over the Garden of Eden as kings and queens of planet Earth and as kings and queens of the Garden of Eden. And so God gave them planet Earth and the Garden of Eden. He gave them eternal life. He gave them paradise to live in. They were immortal. They had immortal bodies, brains, everything. And they had total control of the world they lived in. But Lucifer, the serpent of old, who inhabited um, an erect reptilian being known as the serpent of old, he used what the Bible calls the wiles, the schemes, the strategies of, of the devil, and he coaxed, or, or seduced, or manipulated first Eve, then Adam, to disobey God's one and only commandment to Adam, Eve, and Adam and Eve, which uh, was simply this: God said to Adam and Eve, "You can eat from every fruit of the uh, from every tr- fruit in, in in the Garden of Eden." except for you cannot eat of the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, because in the day that you do that, you will surely die. So Lucifer and Eve, you know, a ping-pong ball being, with their eternal lives at stake, go into kind of an argument. And the devil is very good at arguments, so I suggest you be very careful before you enter into any kind of chess game with the devil. I was tempted once. No, that's a lie. I've been tempted a million times. And, and I'm not talking about anything in particular, but for me to say something stupid like, I was tempted once, is ridiculous. I've been tempted a million times, and so have you. That's part of living. So forget about this thing where I'm telling you I'm tempted once. That's a that's a, <laughs> a fictional biography. I've been tempted many times. But part of the temptation is listening to the devil's arguments. And the devil uh, uh, appears to us and attempts to tempt us in the area of where he perceives we're vulnerable. And I don't want to get into the specifics, but a very high-level Satanist, uh, when I say high-level, I'm making an understatement, one of the highest-level Satanists in the world, had read some of my books, I suppose by reading some articles that I had published nationally, where I quoted extensively from my books. And and I don't remember all the particulars, but somehow this Satanist who was, he wasn't just a Satanist. He was very high up in the U.S. military because he was uh, the top man in the U.S. military's PSYOPs program or psychological warfare department. And yet, he was also a practicing Satanist. He was also, at one time in his career, the right hand to Anton LaVey, the head of the Satanic Church. Anyway, we were communicating. And I, it was obvious to me that I was dealing with a very smart guy. I was dealing essentially with a super genius. But, you know, when you're gifted in a particular area, You should never be proud of it, and that includes me too. So because God has gifted me in the area of thinking and thoughts and communicating and related fields, if you're not careful, you can develop a subtle pride about the gifting God has given you, no matter what area it's in, to be making money. And if you're not careful, if you develop, And you may not even be aware of a very subtle pride that you have regarding your gifting. So he, and you'll find that many powerful thinkers, uh, whether they're Satanists or Christians, uh, operate on, they like to do intellectual jousting or chess games and stuff. It's, it's, It's like a weird kind of sport, but it's rooted in the flesh. So anyway, he he challenged me with a number of statements, and his challenges were the equivalent of being slapped in the face, lightly. And I don't know if you've ever seen some of these old movies where where two soldiers are going to duel it out to the death, and they have those long pointed swords like in a castle in France or something, and when one guy challenges another guy to the duel, he slaps him in the face hard, but, but you know, it's, what he's doing is he's laying down the gauntlet. And slapping somebody in the face with your leather gloves when you're a, a warrior is a form of laying down the gauntlet. You are challenging the other person to a duel to the death, except you're not using swords. You're using your intellect and your ability to argue and debate. Okay, so he doesn't like Christians. I get that because most of the Christians he, meet, he meets, he doesn't respect intellectually because they can't hold their own. So he knows from reading my books, not my old books, whatever he read that I wrote, whatever book, whatever article, he knows my position to a, to a large degree already, and he knows that I believe the Bible literally. Which makes me basically completely different, probably, than 97% of the people he talks to. So he says to me, but see, everything he's saying to me is really in disguise a camouflaged challenge. He's literally slapping me in the face and laying down the gauntlet and challenging me. So he says stuff like this to me. In, 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 In the so called pseudo casual nature of our conversation, he says to me, You don't really believe. And all that Bible stuff, or take that you don't take that literally, do you? So the way he said it and the tone of his voice implied loud and clear this following message. Paul McGuire, all intelligent people, we don't believe in the Bible. We think it's absurd. So he lays down the gauntlet and slaps me in the face when he says, you don't really believe in all that stuff, do you? And so it's said in such a way is that it's a form of mockery. It's also a way of tempting me, because you see, if I'm any way at all insecure, if I'm in any form, shape, at all insecure uh, regarding my intellectual basis, spiritual basis, and theological basis for believing the Word of God literally, if I don't really know my stuff, and I'm not really anchored in the Word of God, when He shoves that at me, The temptation would be, well, I want to be, the temptation would not be for me to be a Satanist, but the temptation for me would be to maybe compromise the fact that I believe that the Bible is the inspired and inerrant word of God. So that's what he's going after. And so he's baiting me. You've all been baited by the devil or other people to get you to do something. So... In my flesh, and we all have a flesh, and I have a flesh, it's called part of my sin nature, and I got to make sure I crucify it by faith. In my flesh, I want to respond because in my flesh, which is relying on the pride of my gifting versus relying by faith, not on the pride of my gifting, because that's sin and it'll take me down, but relying by faith and grace, unmerited favor. That the intellectual debating, communication abilities I have are nothing to be proud of because they're all gifts from God, and they've been given to me by God by grace, unmerited favor, so I've nothing to be proud of, but because I'm a fallen man, just like you are, a fallen man or a fallen woman, I can be tempted just like you can, and so part of me wants to go you know some rounds with him in the boxing match, part of me wants to take him down publicly and embarrass him. Because after all, in the deception of my mind, I think that by doing this, I will achieve a victory for the kingdom of God. Okay, right then and there, I'm being set up by the devil, who's using a high-level Satanist for a takedown, okay? Now, fortunately, I've had some spiritual fathers in my life that really pounded into me essential truths, and one was Dr. Jack Hayford of the Church on the Way. Uh, Dr. Hayford recently went on to be with the Lord about a year ago, I guess. And uh, I had other spiritual fathers like uh, Pastor Chuck Smith of Calvary Chapel, Dr. Paul Moore, and others. And I, I was troubled in my spirit because I felt the Holy Spirit was warning me that this this potential debate, with this high-level satanist was really a trap being laid by the devil for me, um, and and I was being warned. The spirit of God, communicating to me in in my inner spiritual man, was warning me, Paul, oh, watch what you're watch where you're going, because you see the same dynamics and structure of this spiritual attack against me was exactly the same structure that Satan used against Eve and then Adam when he, he tempted them, that they would be as gods if they disobeyed the real God and ate from the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden. So in matters of very, very high-level spiritual warfare, I seek the counsel of my spiritual fathers in Jesus Christ, or very developed and, and respected spiritual leaders that I respect that have real godly and biblical wisdom, and I bounce off something. So I basically related the story uh, of, of what happened to Dr. Jack Hayford. Uh, I related to him. He took me out to lunch, and I shared the story. And I could see his eyes kind of balder when I told him the story, because he realized the consequences of this uh, could be very explosive. So. I uh, saw his counsel. And it's very interesting. Jack Averd walks with the Lord. And as I'm opening my heart to Jack Aford and telling him, I, I feel uneasy about this, Pastor Jack, he doesn't give me a lecture. In fact, he said very little to me in terms of responding. He said very little to me in terms of giving me a specific battle plan. What he did was his. He he just accepted me and heard me out, and prayed for me, but he trust because he knew me. He helped he helped disciple me for over twenty five years. So he he knows that I knew all the basics. And so he just instead of giving me a formula answer, he just allowed himself to be a sounding board. And then a couple of days later, or within a week, or within a couple of days after meeting with Jack Hayford, it became obvious to me in my spirit, man, what I should be doing and not doing and 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 this I did say no I, I said this to Jack Hayward after the Lord spoke to me and gave me a definitive guidance regarding this. I said, Pastor Jack, the Lord spoke to me, thank you for taking time out of your schedule to to listen to me, the Lord spoke to me and and warned me against the danger of 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 giving in to pride and you know, kind of dancing with the devil or playing chess with the devil because this is what the takeaway for me was and I'm sharing it for you for your benefit. I don't care how smart you are, how gifted you are in whatever field you think you're gifted in. and No one's doubting your giftedness. And I don't care how much you know of the Bible and, you know, you may be the mightiest man of God there is or the mightiest woman of God there is, but it's a very foolish thing to play chess or dance with the devil because you're going to get pulled in and you're going to go down. it's not a joke when the Bible says repeatedly where it warns us about the wiles, the schemes, the strategies the the manipulation of the devil the devil the devil's forte, the devil's greatest talent is in the area of deception and wiles and strategies and things of that nature, and he would you know. I walk in, and if I'm resting, my confidence is in the flesh. I'm a sucker waiting to be taken down. So I didn't feel right about it. And so I simply didn't return the following phone calls and backed off. I didn't back off out of cowardice. I backed off out of wisdom, which is what Adam and Eve should have done. They shouldn't have gotten into that dialogue with Satan to begin with. So I hope that helps you, because you will face similar spiritual battles in your life. It may be with different kinds of people or whatever, but there's a similarity in the nature of spiritual battles. Okay. So, I, uh, see, the devil would accuse and say, oh, you're afraid. No, you don't give it. That's the, he's tempting you. He's baiting you. I wasn't afraid. It's a, It's a matter of using wisdom and being strategic. And a wise man and a wise woman doesn't play chess or dance with the devil. There was an old, classic, famous movie. I'm guessing when it was made. In the 40s or the 50s or the 60s, something like that. And it was directed by a very famous, atheistic, humanistic, super intellectual French film director. And and those of you that are into film would know the name of the film. Forgot the name of the film. But the poster of the film is a mortal human man sitting down and playing chess with the devil. And it's really spooky and it's really eerie. So that entire little venture reminded me of that, that poster of a guy sitting down playing chess with the devil. You don't want to play chess with the devil. lose. Okay, so... And that's how Adam and Eve lost planet of Earth. Okay, so we're going to come back in a moment, and we're going to expose and reveal and open up what many people have, many people who serve Satan have attempted to conceal the vulnerabilities and the weaknesses that are inherent in their game plan. You know, Satan is very powerful, but let's not forget something. God is far more powerful than the devil. And let's never forget that. And Jesus, and, and, and let's never forget this truth. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That means greater that is he that is in you, Jesus, than he that is in the world, the devil. Because Jesus is in you, you become greater than the devil. But that still doesn't give you a license for stupidity and presumption. Okay, visit paulmcguire.us. I thank you so much for rallying behind me. I'm telling you, the more more I have been pressing on in communicating the truth, if you've looked at the content of my programs, I have not been playing it safe. I have been exposing the darkness with the light. I have been exposing all kinds of things that the enemy does not want exposed. And from the day that I started that, I've been under an an all-out attack against me in this ministry, and the attack comes from many areas. Uh, Threats, I don't even know. Maybe they finalized it. I have no idea. Google threatening to take me down, again, over something that was done. Now Facebook threatened to take me down. Why are they threatening to take me down? Ask yourself the question. Why is Facebook and Google threatening to take me down? Why, am I being, why are my numbers and why have my numbers been rigged on the mainstream social media for, for years now? What is so dangerous about what I'm saying? I'll tell you why. I'm, I'm, I have been taken down. I'm threatened to be taken down. And they're using any excuse. It's, it's, it's all bogus. And the reason, this is what I'm guilty of. I'm guilty of the crime, literally of speaking and communicating that which is truthful that which is loving my motivation is love i want to protect lives and save lives so what what they're really after me for is not because i've done something bad what they're after me for why they're rigging me why they're attacking me why facebook is coming after me why google is coming after me is because I'm telling the truth, and they want to hide the truth and promote lies. So my guilt is I'm telling the truth. I'm acting on love. I'm loving people by telling them the truth, by saying things that will save their lives. So I'm functioning on agape love. I'm utilizing biblical integrity because I'm not repeating propaganda. Because if, if you're li- listen, let me tell you something. There are Christian, big, big, big-time Christian pastors that if you listen to them, they're going to tell you it's perfectly okay for you to go out and take you-know-what. You need to take this, and you need to take that. They, These big-time Christian pastors, and some, I mean, some of them are world-famous, I have heard them address the body of Christ and tell you and me and our families that you need to go and get the you-know-what, and you need to take the you-know-what, and all kinds of things. Even though, even though if you take those things, there are big time respectable doctors who are making serious allegations that the, the, the things they're telling you to take and the things they're telling you to do will end up killing you or killing your loved ones over time. So, is that minister, I don't care how big he is, I don't care how famous he is. And, and people in the Christian establishment and the secular establishment and the secular media are those people who are telling you it's perfectly safe to do this, this, and the other. But, but the truth, the facts, the documentation from very reputable doctors, they're warning you that if you take this stuff, you could very, they're alleging you could drop dead and your children could drop dead. So who's telling you the truth? Do you think that I'm being censored, rigged, threatened to be taken down? Because I'm lying? No. If I was lying, they would artificially inflate my numbers. I would not be get. I wouldn't be taken down if, if I told the lies they want me to tell. If I was the, the the reason I'm under an all. Can can you please hear what I'm saying? I'm not complaining about what's happening. I chose. I chose to stand on the front line. Okay. But I'm telling you that I'm under attack far more seriously than any of you have any idea. And my crime is telling the truth, actually loving my brothers and sisters in Christ, loving my fellow man by trying to keep them alive, by telling them the truth about all kinds of things that very, very, very much matter to their life and death and their eternal salvation. So, I haven't heard some of these big, big ministers publicly retract their public statements where they went on record, speaking to millions of people, telling millions of people, primarily Christians, to go out and get this or take that, which could end up killing those people. I haven't heard them retract that. So I ask you, who is it that loves you? And that, that can be easily determined and pr- proven by whether or not they're telling the people are telling you lies or the truth. I'm telling you the truth. You know, I don't say these things to brag. i got better things to do, and nobody cares anyway. In today's society, you, people forget who you are in, in 24 hours. Allu- fame, book sales, you, you think that's important? It's not important. It's all an illusion. Let me tell you something. Our world is so vain and so fickle that hours after you publish a book or you, you know, you reach a million people with a message or whatever, People will forget who you are. It's all meaningless. That's all vanity, like the book of Proverbs says. It's vanity. It's chasing after the sun. It means nothing. The only thing that counts is what you do for Jesus. Okay. I need the way the only way we can win this is to unite together. I need you to continue to stand with me. I thank you for standing with me. I ask you to sign up to our different social media sites, like them, follow them, join the Eblast list. And help me push our numbers up because I'm being attacked through artificial rigging, and have been for a long time. You just have only recently heard me talk about it. So I need you to counteract the rigging if you believe in the message I'm communicating. I need you to counteract the rigging by signing up, supporting um, my different social media, and helping me spread the word. I need you to support this ministry because, you see, part of of, 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 of rigging somebody is to destroy their financial base and their donations and contributions. If they can artificially, through lies and rigging primarily, if they can, through rigging, artificially minimize and lie about your number of viewers and likers and watchers and followers, then they can successfully hit you in your financial donations and contributions or advertising. We don't advertise it, but we do need to reach people. We do need donations. So I need you to stand with me. We're in a war. If I go down, you go down. There's not that many people. There are some, but there's not that many people that are standing up to the truth. So you decide for yourself before the eyes of the Lord what you're going to do, just like what I, what I have to do. And then I need you to be an intercessory prayer warrior and pray for me, my family, everybody involved in this ministry. Pray for the ministry, because ultimately this is a supernatural spiritual war. And we either open up people's minds and hearts, or we lose our nation. We lose our church, and and what's coming is not pretty. And I documented that for you in my books, like Power from on High, Prophecy of the Future of America, and the other books. So I need you to stand with me. I need you to be a prayer warrior with me. I need you to simply thank you to every one of you that asked the Lord what to do, and when the Lord spoke to your heart about how much to give in donations and contributions. You obeyed him. Thank you for that. Because your donations are are allowing us to continue. Because, of course, there's a war in the financial area. And, you know, most of the warfare and most of the things I never tell you on the microphone. I just don't. And the reason I don't tell you on the microphone is because I'm not here to manipulate you. If you're walking with the Lord, and I know that many of you are, I I trust the fact that you have a relationship with God. And therefore, I know that if you ask God a question like, Lord, how much do you want me to donate to Paul McQuarrie Ministries and Paradise Mountain Church or whatever? I know because of your own relationship with the Lord that you're going to obey him. And so no matter what God tells you, whether it's in worldly terms, a, a, a substantial amount of Donations and money, or it's a faithful amount of money, it's always faithful. And God will reward you. So I trust that you're going to obey the Lord. And many of you do. And I'm thankful for that. And together we are, you know, it doesn't look like um, right now we're in a situation of great gravity. But that doesn't mean in reality. We aren't substantially impacting people and the people around us, because we are. If you went back three years ago, half this nation would be, would. if you went back three years ago in time, about 50% of the American people were, were living in zombie land or a brainwashed state, because there's been so much revealing through upheavals and vaxes and wars and Unexplained events like the directed energy beam weapons, et cetera, et cetera, that has shaken people's grip on believing lies. And it's causing people to hunger for truth. So, right now, there has been a substantial, substantial number of people that are no longer buying into the illusion and buying into the lies. And if we keep doing our job, which is to pump out the truth, to keep pumping out the truth, if we keep doing our job, I believe all the data is suggesting we're reaching a tipping point where there will be a significant turning point and large numbers of people are going to switch sides. And the time will come where a significant percentage of the American people will actually be ashamed and embarrassed for believing so wholeheartedly in these lies. Okay? So I need you to help me and stand with me. Visit paulmaguire.us. That's paulmaguire.us. As you can see, we're ramping up the video again. Um, my apologies. It's been a while since we did video. We had some serious technical and other problems, and now we're coming back on board with the video. It's not where I want it to be in terms of professionalism yet, but in a short period of time, a very short period of time, we'll be back to where we used to be in quality, and then the goal is to go beyond that. And, and, and the the reason I don't want to get into an explanation of uh, why we had to pull back a little bit is because I don't want the enemies of the gospel of Jesus Christ to know what's going on behind the scenes. Those of you that are prayer warriors, you already know because God's given you a supernatural burden. So visit Paulmaguire.us That's paulmaguire.us, And uh, we'll be back in just a minute. You are listening to the Paul McGuire Report. This is Paul McGuire. Okay, let's get down to business. Now, what do I mean by business? I'm talking about what Jesus Christ, when he used the term kingdom business. So when I say let's get down to business, I'm talking about let's get down to kingdom business or occupy until he comes. What is kingdom business? According to Jesus Christ, kingdom business is when we take the resources, the talents, and the abilities that God has given us or gifted us with, and we use them to multiply the kingdom of God. Namely, we use the abilities and resources God has given us to save souls, to bring in the last days, soul hearts, and to uh, uh, multiply. You know, one of God's primary laws and mandates that you almost never hear taught in Christian churches. Begins in the book of uh, Genesis, Genesis chapter one, verse one, and it says, "And in the beginning, God created." The idea is that God is a creator, capital C. The other biblical truth is is that God repetitively tells Adam and Eve and mankind, Noah and his family, and many, many others, you and me. God repetitively tells us to be fruitful and multiply, and that means biologically. And it means spiritually. And this is no small thing with God. This is front and center true spirituality. You know, people talk to me all the time about false prophets, and you're right, we should be concerned about false prophets. But some of the worst false prophecies I've ever heard, the worst false teaching I've ever heard, is when you begin to minimize and shrink the most important essential truths in the Word of God. And one of the most important truths in the Word of God is that God commands us to be fruitful and multiply. And that means we've got to take a deep dive and understand what God means when he says that. First of all, to be fruitful and multiply, first of all means on a biological reproduction basis. Adam and Eve, mankind, men and women, are to be fruitful and multiply, to make babies. And then their children are to have babies. This, again, is not a peripheral issue with God. The the foundation of Western civilization, the foundation of authentic spirituality, the foundation of of authentic uh, societies, the foundation of America, the foundation of human dignity, the foundation of human love is all centered in the family unit and the biblical teaching or commandment from God that we are to be fruitful and multiply. Now, at this time, right now, we're to be fruitful and multiply. God doesn't say this for the sake of argument. Well, it's tough right now, guys. I know the Great Reset is pounding on your head, and half the church is apostate in America, and your political scene is a nightmare. Uh, I understand that, guys, you know, but and I'm going to give you a break, and you know, I'm not going to hold you accountable to, to, to be fruitful and multiply, because I understand things are tough. Do you see anywhere in the Bible that God ever talks to his people in such a lame duck uh, manner? Of course not. Why? Because God doesn't say, this is your excuse to let up and cop out and retreat. God never says that. God says to you and I, all things are possible. And if you're not trying to be seduced to do it on your own strength, and you obey me, and you tarry into Jerusalem, and seek my face, I will clothe you with power from on high. And when you have my supernatural power, power from on high, then you will be victorious in the spiritual battle that is erupting all around you. All right, so here's another facet. One of the things that the Lord, first of all, let me start by saying this. Every single person listening to me who was born again, and anybody can be born again if you're willing to put your faith in Jesus Christ, everyone who has been born again has the potential to receive the gifts and callings of God which are supernatural okay and you're supposed to receive that by faith you're supposed to pursue that by faith now sometimes the giftings God gives somebody like me would be different than the giftings God gives you that's fine i've noticed that one of the things that God has given me and i believe i believe i know it's a supernatural gift of god God has given me the supernatural ability to understand things in our reality, in in our future, prophetically, the ability to understand things of great complexity. God has given me a supernatural ability to understand that data and information so that I can serve you, the body of Christ, by teaching you in the, the fastest, most efficient, And understandable ways so that I can teach you what the weapons of your warfare are, and they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So, God gives me through my entire life, He has given me prophetic revelation, yet, you notice I don't parade around and call myself a prophet. That doesn't mean God doesn't bless me with prophetic understanding, because He does, and God gives me prophetic revelation all the time. I just don't, you know, rate right around the town square talking about it. Let me give you an example. And this happens on, on a regular basis. I write books that have copyrights. They're doc, I have documentation. You'll notice that in the books going back decades, I write in my books about a technology, about events happening, about changes in the world scene and the national scene. I write about these things long, long before they materialize and happen. That is a supernatural gift of God, and it it flows through the writing and the speaking. Here's an example, okay? And normally I wouldn't do this because I don't want to run the risk of being self-serving. Many of you have seen the excellent trailer uh, on uh, the, the, The Last Battle. Excuse me, the greatest battle for the hearts and minds of mankind in the history of the world. Now what's interesting about that is this book is very prophetic because many of the, like the other books, you'll find that when you look at this book, you will see all kinds of prophetic, detailed descriptions of technology, of events, of current events, of trends, of spiritual battles, all kinds of things I'm writing about in detail and in advance, well-advance, of them actually happening in our physical reality. And this is an ongoing thing. It's a gift from God. So let me give you an example by what I mean. Okay, so in my book, The Greatest Battle for the Hearts and Minds of Mankind in the History of the World, I uh, it, this has a copyright date. You need to get the book, by the way. It has a copyright of 2019, Okay. Yet when you look at the trailer, and I'm just going to play it in the background because I need to read what the words I'm using in the trailer, which you can see the trailer at paulmaguire.us. It's the trailer or the promo piece or the promo video for uh, The Greatest Battle. So let me just turn it, turn it on here. Okay. So I'm looking at the trailer for The Greatest Battle and For the Hearts and Minds of Mankind. In the history of the world. Now, then I have up on the video words and bullet point of what I'm going to talk about, what I do talk about in the book, okay? What I call never before released information. I talk about global financial collapse, okay? Then you'll see the words 5G wireless neurological attack. That's giving you the pollmcwire.us. And notice what I'm saying next. Genetically modified organisms, GMOs. Now, listen carefully. Directed energy being weapons. Geo-engineered climate change apocalypse. Supernatural and interdimensional beings. Spiritual deception and psychic powers. This is all in the book. Agenda 2030, One World Socialist Government, UN. Forced airborne vaccines. Global military rule under Orwellian totalitarian state. And then it continues on. Now, what's my point? My point is, how is it that I knew in documented detail ahead of time as if somebody gave me advanced information about all these things which were not common knowledge. When this video was produced, those bullet points were essentially not common knowledge, period. When I wrote the book, The Greatest Battle, and when I wrote the book, Power From On High, none of these things were common knowledge that the bullet point statements I just read to you Nobody was talking about them. All these zillions of, you know, wannabe uh, talk show hosts on the Internet, they had no clue about this stuff. If you look at my decades of writing and speaking, you'll notice an uncanny uh, gift from God where I'm able to talk about things that have not happened yet. I talk about before they happen. And when I first talk about them, I'm taking the heat where people think, "Oh, this guy's crazy." Why are they saying that about me? Because they don't believe that what I'm saying is a, is happening, is happening. They don't get it. How did I get this advanced information? I got the advanced information because I study my posterior off, and then the Holy Spirit leads me continually into prophetic revelation. So now I'm going to Bullet point for you again, because I want you to understand the importance of this. It's called intelligence. Intel. Okay, so let's start again. Never before released information. Now, first thing I talk about is global financial collapse. Okay, when this came out, when the greatest battle came out, there has always been talk of a one-world financial collapse. But in the sequence, and what I wrote in the book, The Greatest Battle and Power from On High, nobody knew in the general public and in the world of media pundits, whatever, they didn't know about the specific nature. They didn't know about the Great Reset. They didn't know about the UN agenda. They didn't know about the, the plan for neural implants and all the rest of it, which I detail in, in, in great specific nature in my books ahead of time in The Greatest Battle and in uh, the other books and in Power from on High. So where am I getting this information? Am I a psychic? No, I'm waiting on God, and the Holy Spirit is guiding and leading and opening up my research for your benefit. Now I'm going to continue on. Now it says 5G wireless neurological attack. Nobody was talking about the 5G neurological wireless attack back in 2019 and 2018 when I wrote The Greatest Battle and I put out this promo video. Those words were non existent in the minds and consciousness of probably 90%, 97% of the American population. How did I know about it? God supernaturally led my research, guided my research, and he revealed to me that 5G wireless technology was going to be used in connection with 5G technology, would be used to activate from a remote distance an internal neurological attack on human brains, minds, bodies, and souls. So what I'm revealing to you years in advance. Now we're in 2023 and most people still don't know what I'm talking about. What I'm revealing to you in advance for your protection is that 5G technology is first and foremost not a communications technology, it's a weaponized technology and 5G wireless technology has a secret asset, military asset in that it can flip on switches and cause a neurological attack on your bodily organs, your brain, your body, and all kinds of things, and especially in the area of your brain and nervous system. See, there's a pattern here. A consistent pattern of reliability, a consistent pattern of accuracy, and a consistent pattern of truthfulness over time. I'm not proclaiming falsehoods. Let's hit play again. Okay, now the screen says genetically modified organisms. Okay, obviously there were many people back then who knew about GMOs or genetically modified organisms. But when I use the words genetically modified organisms, and when I write about it in in my book, The Greatest Battle, and I write about it in my book, A Prophecy of the Future of America, back in 2012 or something, and then I write about it in my book, Power from On High, When I use the term genetically modified organisms, I'm taking it way up to a level of blowing open the doors of concealment and opening up the doors of powerful truths. And I'm trying to show you, and I wrote it down in detail in my books with copyright date, documentation dates. What I'm telling you far, far in advance of it actually happening is that there is technology available. 5 g scalar technology uh different di- directed energy beam technology and so on and so forth that has the power to externally modify your inner man or woman brain body, DNA code genetic modification etc et etc cetera, et cetera. now all of that is exploding all around us, especially when we examine the allegations of profound doctors as they uh examine the contents of the vax they're telling you that the vax contains genetically modified organisms that are listen carefully I write about it in the greatest battle I write about it in power from on high they're using genetically modified organisms put in your body via the vax and other delivery mechanisms now listen really carefully but these genetically modified organisms are non human let me say that again the genetically modified organisms that i'm expo- i'm exposing to you i'm telling you that they're in operational mode and i'm telling you on the basis of scientific documentation and proof that these genetically modified organisms are non human therefore those people who have opened up the door into their body their brain their bloodstreams Those people who have opened up the door for the entrance of genetically modified organisms have allowed non-human organisms to enter their body. And therefore, they have allowed their own internal DNA to become a hybrid breed of non-human DNA mixed with human DNA. And that's what I'm talking about in terms of genetically modified organisms. So, again, I'm giving you a futuristic, accurate heads up of what is already happening now. Now, let me hit play again. Directed energy beam weapons. I'll say it again. Big letters on the screen. It's in the book, Power from On High. It's in the book, The Greatest Battle. In large letters, in the promotional video, the copyright date of The Greatest Battle is 2019. And even uh, Power From On High, uh, the copyright date, is, and talking about directed energy beam weapons. This was, nobody believed what I was saying, even in the Christian community. They didn't believe it. They said, you're lying. It's a conspiracy theory. No, I'm not lying. I have proof. I have scientific proof. I have engineering proof that goes back to the 1940s. So this is a regular pattern of reliable, accurate, truthful, prophetic—by prophetic, I'm talking about prophetic in the biblical sense—of prophetic biblical intelligence that God wants to get into the hands of his people so his people can be proactive. Now, Massive numbers of people saw this promotional video and saw all the bullet points that I pointed out to you, like directed energy beam weapons. Well, nobody really paid attention. And then, Lahaina, Maui, place is vaporized. And many, many experts, many military experts, believe that what happened to the town. Formerly called Lahaina, was that Lahaina was literally vaporized by directed energy beam weapons. So I was telling you this before the Paris, the Paris uh, Mountain fires in Northern California, which incinerated a, a, a geographic area, and I told you about the technology of directed energy beam weapons, commonly known, not commonly. But also known as Dew, D-E-W, directed energy weapons. I warned you ahead of time, and so when you read my books, going back to the beginning, "Power from On High," uh, greatest battle, prophecy of the future of America, volume one or two, volume one and two, um, "The Day the Dollar Died," conquering the matrix, and on and on and on, mass awakening. Babylon Code I wrote with Troy Anderson, I'm giving you, you know, I'm not giving you a razzle-dazzle, counterfeit, prophetic statement based on nothing. I'm giving you prophetic research or prophetic spiritual military intelligence. You understand what I'm saying? That's why I'm always stressing that you read the books in sequence, that you have the Bible studies in sequence begin with the earlier books, move to today. There's no excuse for God's people literally living in the twilight zone. And you can know what's coming by simply researching. Okay, here, geoengineered climate change apocalypse. Again, I wrote about that going all the way back to A Prophecy of the Future of America, Volume 1 and 2 weather modification weapons, geoengineering, and weather modifications. Once again, people accusing me of all kinds of things. It's just constant. And I don't really care, by the way. Just Just so you know, I'll give you an old Jackson Heights, Queens, New York City expression. My response to my critics who don't know what they're talking about, including Christians, is this. My polite response is simply, tough noogies. Tough noogies is an old Queens, New York City expression, which means I'm going to punch you in the arm. Okay, I'm not going to really hurt you, but I'm going to punch you in the arm. But I'm going to make sure that one or two of my knuckles stick out about three quarters of an inch. Some of the knuckles stick out further than the other knuckles. So when I land a punch in your arm by your shoulder, it it really bruises and causes pain and, and causes you to shut up. I'm, I'm, this is a joke. Don't take this seriously. So that's what tough noogies means. It means, bite the bullet, man. Know what you're talking about. Shut up. Put up or shut up. We can't win the spiritual war here unless we're willing to at least acknowledge the very primary, fundamental, foundational, and basic truth, which is this. Wake up and smell the coffee. Hopefully triple espresso. You and I, Christianity and Christians and the Bible, God, Jesus Christ, and anything to do with the Bible, we are, in, we are under all-out assault right now. The assault is actually greater than the assault that Adolf Hitler and the Nazis, when they fired their V-1 and V-2 rockets from Germany and began obliterating segments of London and England. They were belonging at the pieces because they were using their technology that England didn't believe existed yet well the satanic principalities and powers are using the equivalent of Nazi V1 V2 rockets on Christians in America and we need to wake up to the level the reality and intensity of the battle and it is no longer acceptable it should be at least no longer acceptable to plead ignorance and to walk around in a daze we don't have the luxury of doing it. we've got to be spiritually armed and dangerous. What do I mean by dangerous? In the context of agape love, dangerous to the devil, dangerous to evil, not dangerous to people, not dangerous to people looking to get saved, not dangerous to people who need ministry. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about we're armed and dangerous, spiritually armed and dangerous to demonic forces. In other words, we need to become a force to be reckoned with and not the Pillsbury doughboy. You ever see those Pillsbury Doughboy uh, commercials? The Pillsbury Doughboy is floating there with his big gut, and somebody sticks their index finger in the Pillsbury Doughboy's stomach, and he kind of giggles. You know that commercial? He giggles, and it's cute. Yeah, it's cute because when you stick your finger in the Pillsbury Doughboy's belly, it's all dough. And so he gives this little giggle, this cute giggle. That's how Christians are behaving on the spiritual battlefield. Instead of being like David and Joshua and Jesus Christ and the Apostle Paul, instead of like being the mighty men of God and mighty women of God that we are, we're acting like the Pillsbury Doughboys of the last days. I think that's a good place to begin repentance. You can see that this message is not popular. But I didn't sign up to deliver this message because it's popular. I'm delivering this message because this is the message. This is the message that God commanded me to deliver at this time. And then, obviously, there's more critical bullet point topics. We're in a war, a spiritual war. It's time that we win. I'm not saying we're going to snap our fingers and America is going to be Disneyland. I have never said that, ever. If God's people repent, not fake it, we can see a turnaround. We can see revival. We can see an authentic biblical awakening but there must be genuine repentance. God bless you. Stand with me. This is Paul McGuire. Visit paulmcguire.us.